Welcome back to Incremental, the Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Devin Bedoni. And I'm Uriel Eisen. And this week is the practice episode. And uh, you got a quote. Got a quote. Got two quotes. So we used this quote last episode, but I'll stick it in anyway because it's highly relevant to making small improvements all the time. All or nothing thinking is a non-starter from Rick Rubin. Um, yeah, I feel like just like do something, learn from it and do it again. PDCA, yeah. practice, do, check, act or plan, plan do, check, plan, act. Do, check, act. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Hard to say. Um, and then seeing as we used it last episode, um, pulled in another one. This is from Aton's grand quote collection. Um, <laughs> every morning you have two choices continue to sleep with your dreams or wake up and chase them unknown source uh maybe he was just him (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe he just said that to me maybe well that's what no um yeah it would be funny to just like be really into yourself and like start this list of quotes that you just like (laughs) and just attribute it to other people or yeah oh god such a good idea (laughs) i mean if so damn very impressive it's true yeah um that's yeah. So I feel like, okay, so not to be too down here, mm-hmm. I feel like that m- the way I fall into that often is by doing too much planning, is by sort of spending too long thinking about how I could do something. The chasing your dreams one or the other? Yeah, the chasing your dreams. Well, it r- the, relates to both, but basically like dreaming about how I could improve a thing. Mm instead of going like okay what's the like next step like let me just do something something small interesting in that direction um yeah the way i read this is just like motivation for grind culture (laughs) i was just like oh "Oh." yeah yeah, i could see that (laughs) yeah i guess chase them well yeah i don't know i mean i think just like a bias toward action yours is a more positive spin okay that's how i was thinking about it is like you can imagine i mean it goes to everything in life it's like i Mm want to do a huge bike trip most people never do most people just imagine like one day i would love to do a big bike trip and it's like well (laughs) i often muse actually about how much of consumer spending is driven by imagination and Mm, not by action 100 percent. like it's the easiest part of implementing a plan is shopping for the thing you'd need to achieve a thing and then buy it and then it shows up and you never use it It sits in your garage till you die then your kids are like oh i gotta get rid of this (laughs) (laughs) no it's sentimental that wasn't depressing um anyhow um i feel like our improvements this last week were a little minimal but then when i stopped to think about it there were some some things um that's cool one that was kind of cool so we started doing a morning meeting every day initially we were just doing it the beginning of the week okay um at kind of at your suggestion okay and same thing of having a standard format of trying to log issues and initially it kind of felt like it was just me talking um but i think now that we've done it for i guess couple weeks maybe yeah it seems like both the employees are starting to kind of open up and and yeah i think maybe feel that they have some space there to oh cool to bring stuff up yeah still not a lot of like what i think of as like 
classic TPS stuff and be like, I want to improve this. Or like this little thing is really, you know, like, let's tackle this little detail. It's, it's more like just things that have happened and which uh -huh. is probably more realistic. And like the envisioning of how TPS looks and the actual, the actuality of it is probably very different. Um, so I think it's good. Sometimes I have to remind myself like, oh, we are constantly improving. It's just sometimes it's, it's not everything's 3d printed nifty doodads. It's just like us being like, uh, we need to do this little thing a little differently, right? Kind of a situation. So that was kind of cool. And then I wanted to follow up. Uh, we did add a bunch of washdown stuff to oh, the cool. machines. Yep, it's been a mixed mixed success. Okay, so I just thought I would share that to anybody who's rushing out to buy a lot of lockline. Um, what are you finding? We are fine. So we added a um, a second washdown to one of the S seven hundreds on the left, like we discussed. Um, Seems mostly good cool. so far. It's mm -hmm. not like it cured all of the problems and there's less flow out of the 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 little overhead yep. curtain, washdown curtains. So we'll just kind of, it's kind of a wait and see. And one other big takeaway is that um, for a shop like ours that is variable parts, variable processes, variable tooling. Yeah things really vary a lot from, <laughs> from part to part. Uh -huh. <laughs> Seems obvious once I say that. Um, and one big thing that varies is just chip style. Yeah. So one thing we and like I where in the machine, they kind of where they hit, yeah. yeah, where they build up. So one thing is I think the, the primary issue we're having in the R450 is simply due to the fact that we're doing a bunch of the material removal with a big face mill. Uh -huh. And it just creates these curly cues. That makes sense. That I they just they just grab stuff and they just want to nest. Um, so we added, like I discussed, we added like splitter washdowns to uh -huh. the rear, so that we can point in a bunch of different directions. Just imagining, I mean, this is probably yeah. not a good idea, but just imagining the sweep of one of those inserts in a face mill across the material. Uh huh. Could you reduce step over and increase feed? and do the same removal with shorter chips or would that have other issues? Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it'd be a shorter chip. It'd be a shorter chip. That'd be it. Yeah. You're um, trying to think about at that point, you'd probably go away from using a face mill and sure. just use it. I like think a high feed or something. Your feed would have to get pretty crazy. <laughs> also, we're using it for, for its finish. Gotcha. So, so no, not really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So you added the split. Yeah. Split, uh, piping at the back. Mm -hmm. It helped a little bit. I think the biggest thing that helped back there was quorum zip tied the like electrical con. I don't know what to call them exactly. Like flexible con okay. carriers yeah. away from the wall. Oh. So things aren't like nesting on top. And that's not creating any, uh, like tighter corners somewhere else doesn't seem to be nice yeah but it's we're still we're gonna add some more still here's but, an idea yeah what would happen if you added a pump and then had a different color lock line in the machine that was sort of job specific it was uh -huh. like move these lock lines when you see where it's like building up. I don't know if that would make yeah. sense. I've thought about a second pump. The issue is I think with the volume of those tanks, I think it right, would just right, suck right. dry. 
interesting. Yeah. So we may just be kind of like hitting a limit on, right. on these part on these machines with these parts, which is it is what it is. I, I guess. guess. I mean, if you have spare I/O on your board, you could split it out and then just add two M codes. So each one runs for half the amount of time or something like that. Yeah. Or run a valve instead of a new pump, a set of valves would be way cheaper where it just like either diverts it all to oh. lock line set one or lock line set two. So it like really blasts on one and then really yeah. blasts yeah. on the other. And just split the time or do like or 60, more 40 or yeah. Yeah. Like it, right now we just run for 10 seconds at the end of each operation. Gotcha. So if we ran like every 30 seconds, that might make a big difference. Right. Or every right. 30 seconds just during that one cycle that yeah. makes the most. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's options. Anyway, I just wanted to follow up for people who may cool. be yep. thinking of doing the same things. There's all, it's, uh, yeah, it's not a, a simple plug and play solves your problem. When is it though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Like it would come from the machine just with so much lock line. It would be so clean. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder how much of how much is an assumption by the machine tool producer because a lot of these machines do go into high production environments. I think there's some of that. That that modifications will be made by the yeah. end user yeah. for their specific purpose. Like on a Speedio, the two coming out from the back wall, the two things of lock line. Yeah. That don't move up and down in Z with the spindle. Uh huh. Yeah. Which I have to admit, I I'm split on my opinion about that. Oh, I hate it. I, I use one, and then the other I put onto the head of the mill. Interesting. Because I just found I had to redirect it frequently, and my whole thing is short setup times. Uh huh. And so you'd have to like open, you know, open the door, eh, uh -huh. move the lock line slightly. Sure. I don't know. My experience has been that if your parts are on an even plane, that they move a lot more liquid. And um, if you like aim them one yeah. a little higher than the other, you get a lot of coverage and, and a lot of coolant flow. Mine are not on an equal plane yeah. because when you're on the fourth axis. Yeah, you rotate. And you rotate. Yeah. yeah. Fourth axis work is where it breaks down. Yeah. But for three axis work. I could see that. It works pretty well. Yeah. Anyway um little tangent there i had a thought just more broadly maybe this belongs in the theory part yeah there's sort of an adverse incentive on the internet and in this podcast around improvements where everyone the exciting ones are <laughs> what everyone wants to hear about yeah but meanwhile i think that's the problem and i think this podcast we sort of started to try to address that problem <laughs> and then which is like it. it's not organized it's not i mean it is to an extent but like it's not neat it's not shiny it's not amazing when it starts it's like rough and small and incremental and yeah. <laughs> confusing and difficult uh -huh. and like you were sort of saying at the beginning like i didn't think we did improvements but i'm realizing there were a lot and they're not 3d printed doodads yeah but it's like actually that's best right <laughs> if we can change just like I'm writing the same thing on this whiteboard, but you need a, another detail in there, which yeah. takes me another five seconds to write costs no money. I just needed to know that. Yeah. Like that is where your value is. Right. But no one wants to share those because they seem so trivial and no, who's going to watch that. Who's going to click on a video on YouTube that says like, <laughs> you know, we, we changed the paper we're printing on to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a dumb example, but you know what I mean? Like, so there's a really adverse negative incentive where people want to you're you're drawn in by the like 
cool things like when people post like new machine day and that post on Instagram gets a million likes. Yeah. Meanwhile, if they had spare capacity on their other machines, if they just implemented Kanban, it's like that is <laughs> definitely a huge waste of money uh -huh. as a business. Yeah. Right. Not to say everyone buying new machines is wasting money, but just yeah. to say that it's like a bad incentive with the Internet. It's, it's and on this podcast, just generally, I think um, <clears throat> being attracted to the uh, the signals and markers of success, the trappings of success versus actual success. Yes, is uh, revenue is vanity yeah. and profit is sanity. Yeah, um, it's a hard thing. thing to pull apart. I've certainly been guilty. So there's this idea of costly signals, uh -huh. like an evolution. Like why does a peacock grow an enormous tail? Sure. Right. It's because it actually is dangerous to own such a humongous tail. Yeah. Right. And so if it wasn't a costly signal, then there's no there's it's not impressive. Right. Uh -huh. It's like, hey, look, I gathered a huge bag of leaves and you're like, <laughs> cool. OK, <laughs> but on the other hand, if I'm like, hey, look, I gathered a huge thing of these really rare mushrooms, you'd be like, holy shit. Like, where did you find that? Right. Like, because yeah. it's actually hard. Yeah. And so I think similarly, a costly signal is what everyone's looking for. To right? know that you made some sacrifice in order to get where you're going. You yeah, or it's rarefied yeah. inherently. And so that we're interested in novelty and rare things. And like if you look at Mr. Beast videos, who's like the most whatever, I think he has the most followers on YouTube. Sure. A lot of the things are basically like, hey, look, I spent $500,000 on a hotel room, what does that look like? And as someone who's probably never going to do that, <laughs> almost certainly, um, right? You're like, oh, I'm kind of curious, <laughs> you know, whereas if someone's like, hey, I documented me staying in a whatever $50, you know, roadside inn, you're like, yeah, cool. Awesome. That said, running a business, if you can get away with staying in a roadside inn right. and deliver the same value to your customer. Yeah. That is a much better choice. But the fact that everyone's like talking about the really awesome things that they bought that are super expensive and then everyone goes like, wow, their business must be doing really well. Yeah. Sometimes those businesses go out of business. Uh, sometimes the people running those businesses, they have huge revenues and the people aren't actually walking away with much. Yeah. But also sometimes they do succeed because. Yep. Because they invest in or also is like, important. Um, my response from customers is definitely different. Yes. When I have those markers of success. Absolutely. And can display them like a peacock tail. Yeah. So it, it's a mixed bag. I always joke when people ask about uh, networking or like whatever. I, I tell people to buy a CNC because <laughs> <laughs> it's a really costly signal. So anyone who owns a CNC. The yeah. second you're like, I also own one and it's a nice one. Uh -huh. People talk to you, right? Yeah, and give true. you the time of day. Um, so not that how it should be, but apparently how it is. No, but again, it's costly signaling. So you inherently know that someone is very serious if they spent yeah. $100,000 on a thing. Yeah. They're not going to be wasting your time. Yeah. Maybe probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, sort of off topic here. Yeah. I'm very curious about your V1 of Tumblr dump. Oh, yeah, because I was failure. I was thinking about your Tumblr problem the other day, listening oh. back to old episodes. Oh, yeah. And just curious what if any progress or yes. decisions have been made in that regard. So I went back to basics and said, like, OK, what's the quickest thing I can build to invert this Tumblr? Because, oh, first we built a sifting box. Uh -huh. So we just took some 
PVC trim, built a box. It's like 12 by 12, put yeah. a mesh on the bottom that is the right size for our parts. Yeah. You know, to keep our parts in the basket and let the tumbling media through. Um, if you have very small parts, you can do the reverse of letting your parts through uh -huh. and keeping the media. Anyway, um, and we just unscrewed the bowl from the tumbler and manually dumped it in. Yeah. Just to see does it work? Does it damage the parts? Whatever. Yeah. It worked fine. Um, so then I built uh, <laughs> a like two plates of plywood, two pieces of plywood that I bolted, like I bolted with a hinge between them. Yeah. And I bolted one to the table and yeah. then I bolted the tumbler to that. So the issue there, which is obvious in retrospect, um, is the parts, the, the tumbling media and parts start dumping out uh -huh. with it when it tips over to like 45 degrees uh-huh and then and then it only finishes dumping when it gets down to like you know 100 degrees yep and that sweep because the fulcrum is so far away from the lip of the tumbler <laughs> is across like 30 some odd inches yeah of swing and so it's really hard to get the parts to land in a basket <laughs> so the tumbling media went all over uh the yeah it was a it was not a success and a the real lack, soup sandwich as they say the lack of stiffness in that base changed the tumbling action substantially yeah. and so like the tumbler needs a pretty good like mass to react like reaction forces yeah. <laughs> basically um so it was a pretty complete <laughs> failure uh we did one and then took it all apart um but I would say it is very clear to us now what the actual problems are with dumping, which is really what is the path of that lip uh -huh. and then sort of, at, you know, conversely, what is the swing of the base and do we have clearance for that? And, and so, maybe how do you make something that it's not actually attached to so that it can maintain its tumbling action properly? I think it just needs to be attached to something that doesn't have much spring to it, uh -huh. like a table like a strong table. sure sure yeah but maybe your stiffness maybe your flip also becomes something that it is just like a a pickup flip set down kind yeah of deal. yeah which so solve a bunch of problems in one could do i haven't come up with a good way of doing it but that's an interesting point my current thought is that we need to flip about the center point of the tumbler yeah and that minimizes the total volume we need clearance for the swing of everything like sure. our clearances while we flip it and then also the total swing of the lip of the tumbler would be pretty small or if you flip around the lip then you don't have any issue with the swing well we don't have issue with the swing of the lip but now you have two issues one is that the whole base needs to swing up and around away from that and uh -huh. so we need like clearance to the wall if it's flipping toward if it's dumping toward you uh -huh. or we need clearances to the sides yep the other thing is then it would be actually nice if the lip moves slightly off to one side so that your basket doesn't need to slide in under the where the machine just was sitting if that uh, makes sense uh -huh. as you flip it yeah um my current thought is i was sort of looking at the machine we're going to take apart the machine and see if this is actually viable but basically that machine has a base and then like the tumbling ball yeah and between them is the plate where like i think the motor is mounted and everything and it's under sort of this drip guard yeah so I was going to take that apart, figure out the whole the bolt holes and see if I could just get a plate laser cut that bolts in there. Oh, 
and then deal with the fact that if liquid drips, it needs to not go back under there, but uh -huh. just trim the drip tray and make sure that water can't flow back up that plate is my current thought. We'll see. And then I could just get them laser cut, get a plate laser cut. And then to your point, now that you say that, maybe I do just sort of scoop that up, you know, like, oh, actually like a tuning fork that just comes in. And yeah. Or it. like in big foundries, you know, when they scoop yeah. up the crucibles. Yeah. Hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, so that's actually a thought. Set long, it down. Yeah. How long does it take you to empty the tumbler now? About three minutes. It's not very long. So you're going to save like two minutes. Yeah. Hopefully four times a day. Yeah. Eight minutes a day. And this might enable like what is your thinking about reducing your batches in your tumblers to minimize your overall lead time in the shop like we had talked about a while back uh my thought is i'm probably just kicking that can down the road gotcha i don't want to spend fifteen thousand dollars on a yeah tumbler right now but um, we had talked about just like more cheapos and if you were able to dump them quickly, maybe it would be more more cheapos. We don't really have the space in the current configuration and gotcha. it's not actually a bottleneck. And there's a lot of stuff I want to do in preparation for a real push in the direction of reducing inventory. Gotcha. So like right now, my big project is in the paint department, reducing the reducing the Kanban quantities in the um, assembly area so that it Anyway, calls for less production, decreasing the batch sizes in the paint department. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where we're at. So gotcha. Um, anyway, so uh, my feeling is I know how to fix that problem. I know what the levers are. I know I can spend the money if we need to spend the money. I have a few things I want to test first. Yeah, I can buy multiple tumblers, which might be a good next step but I don't really, we don't really need them now, uh -huh. but if we could save eight minutes a day by spending, you know, we've already spent probably two hours on it, but so we could spend another like couple hours, you know, and have our payoff be under a year and a half, uh -huh. probably under a year. Um, not only is it under a year time-wise, we get to spend yeah. it on other things yeah. and solving this problem is super interesting. And I think a back, in the back of my head, it would be cool to uh, like tons of people have these cheap tumblers. So it'd be cool to offer a solution for other people. That's like oh, yeah. cheap and easy to implement. Yeah, I mean, maybe we might use them. We have the yeah. same ones. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Get different. a slightly different plate. We could even have all the holes for all the different machines we can find in one plate. I think they're probably all the same machine. <laughs> it's probably from the same factory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just different colors. Almost definitely different sticker on the front. Um, yeah. So that was one. Uh, we did a uh, an improvement in the paint department, adding barcodes to the bottles of paint so that when we mix it, we can scan that and that does our data entry to tell the computer what color we're mixing. And so it does the calculation Oh, because the current method it's is different for every color. It's different if you're mixing it by weight ah. because the density of the liquid is different. Huh. I don't know why exactly. I don't know if it's the amount of pigment and that you're not adding like part B for the pigment. You're just adding it for the resin. I don't know. Huh. But yes, slightly different. Um, and right now you this has many issues with it that <laughs> all could be improved. Uh, you weigh out your part A because I'm not a machine and haven't built a machine. 
uh, I don't get the exact weight I want. Yeah. If I could nail the weight of part A dead on every time, I could just standardize this mix ratio and not right. calculate it every time. I have plans to do that. It's not going to be anytime soon. <laughs> um, so it turns out there's a whole industry for that type of thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they charge yeah. one arm and one leg. Um, and so you have to weigh out part A, turn around to the computer. The way they made the spreadsheet, you have to put in the color you're mixing. So while you're holding the yeah. actual current weight of part A in your head, you have to type in different numbers, which is really hard uh. because the paint designation is by number. Uh. And so that's confusing and I often forget it and then have to turn back around. Yeah. So now the thought is just be able to scan it so you're not using your brain to store numbers plus type in different numbers. So you scan it, then you type a weight. I'd scan it, type in a weight. Yeah. And then it outputs the weight for yes. the um, Yeah. It's like if you're trying to count and someone starts counting next to you, yeah. that's what it feels like. <laughs> and you instantly lose it. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, so we have, well, we've just been printing tool tags. Oh, cool. Lots of them. Because for the number of tools we have in play right now, we need mm -hmm. around 100. Okay. So I'm just kind of like, before we start switching everything over, just printing several a day. Makes sense. Um, and then a, the other part of that is I want to make these, maybe I discussed them, little caddies at our tool station. No. For, I want to have a caddy where we put tools that need to be broken down. Oh, cool. So like non-standard tools, like if they have a certain color tag, when we take them out of the machine, we go put them in this caddy and that's like, okay, these are available for use. If you nice. want, if you need a holder smart, um, right now I just kind of like set them over there and it's kind of like, what are these doing here? Uh -huh. I, I, like we've kind of chatted about it, but it's, right. it's not very clearly delineated. Like, yep. Oh, this one's actually needs to be ready. This one, you know, so I want to have some caddies. Um, that'll be phase two. It's a lot of printing. It is taking time. Um, and then we started with DSI Autodesk reseller this last week um, for uh, ongoing post support, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. DSI Autodesk. So they are a reseller. They're a reseller. And they have post support in yeah. their company. Yeah. Very cool. So That's we'll, smart. We'll see how it goes. Um, we've been working with our friend Avi. Right. But, you know, he has his own thing going on. And I, I foresee this being something that, I will need as long as I'm in this business. That likely. makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. because my hesitation to editing posts is that the second they release an update and I want the features that they've now released, yeah. I'm very hesitant to make the jump because of all the work. There's that. Um, and like in discussion with another friend this last week, one of the big things that separates like usability of the machines we run, the brothers and say ahas uh -huh. is just the streamlined post. Uh, sorry, the streamlined probing straight out of cam and in the Haas machines. Yeah. Interesting. Versus the brother. And I want those tools <laughs> basically. Huh? So going to feel like I can probe out of cam, but not all the, not all the ways you, you may think that <laughs> not all the ways. Yet. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are about at time, but you have a couple more. You want to just rattle them off real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, labeled the pin stock. So we have stainless steel and titanium. And for now, uh, for the past two weeks, we've been remembering which is which. So we just labeled those super um, 
easy. Uh, we've been doing a lot of cleaning and organizing, moving things out of the production area that aren't production related. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of it. So cool. Right on. Well, short and sweet, short and sweet this week. Um, we will catch you all next week. Uh, you can find me at like an underscore MFG on Instagram. And you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing and the podcast at incremental CI. All right. Catch you guys later.